Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. That's right, lucky number 13. My name is Dan DeFrancesco. I'm the deputy editor of Cellside Technology. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Waters Technology U.S. editor, Anthony Malakian. How's it going? So, today was, this week was a big week, especially yesterday on uh, last night was a big day. Kobe dropped 60 in his last game. The Warriors break the... Uh, the all-time uh, wins record in a season. My beloved Rangers, and by beloved I mean the team I started rooting for yesterday, fought, fell in the uh, first game of the uh, of their series against the Penguins, 5-2. The King went down with an eye injury, but we're going to set all that side to start, and we're going to start with the biggest, what you know, Anthony and I think is probably the biggest fintech story of the uh, the week, which was uh, TrueMed uh, launching on on-demand uh, trading sessions. Anthony wrote a great piece about it, based off his conversation with Mike Sabell, TrueMid's president. Uh, he also wrote a great uh, opinion piece just kind of about uh, electronic fixed income trading. Uh, so to start, we'll have Anthony kind of kind of give his thoughts on the news, and then we'll kind of go from there. Uh, yeah, um, I guess for it, – it was an intro. So um, it had been rumored and stuff like that, mentioned in, in a couple other reports that – you know, they were going to be building a new trading platform. But uh, what was different with this article, I guess, was that uh, Mike uh, sat down and actually just laid out how exactly what will be new about the platform. And the main thing that's going to be new about the platform, it includes, you know, tighter integration, uh, tighter OMS integration, and it includes a better user experience. All that stuff is to be expected. But the most exciting or interesting piece of it is going to be that they're going to have on-demand trading sessions. So right now, the way it works is... Um, they set up a specific time, um, and then you just go in, and it's a dark pool, basically. You go in, make your trades, um, and at the end of that, it can it kind of goes into a, a, a order book um, trading uh, session after that for any security that doesn't get matched, um, for any bond that doesn't get matched. So this one is going to be the individual himself can just go and say, all right, you know what, I want to trade you know, this, you know, stock, this bond, um, let me see if there's any interest out there. Uh, the system will use machine learning to try and figure out, rather than just saying to blast every single true mid user, it'll say, it'll figure out, all right, these 15 or so, uh, firms should be interested in, in this, in this, in participating in this swarm, which is what they call trading session. Um, so it'll say, okay, it'll send them an alert. I'll say in five minutes, we're going to start this up. Okay, bada bing, bada boom. We'll see how it goes. Uh, this is going to launch in May. They don't have a specific date yet. Anyway, that's just a long window way of saying that. Fixed income, liquidity is tight. It's a challenge. It always has been. Um, there have been a lot of electronic platforms that have entered the space. Market access dominates the space right now um, just by quantity of trades. Um, but, you know, there's... There would be those that would argue that it's not the best platform out there. You also have uh, um, LiquidNet, and then you have guys like TrueMid and another startup, Electronify, that uses dark pools. This is all just kind of a long-winded way of saying we have no idea how this is going to progress. For TrueMid specifically, the interesting watch is will people go with the on-demand swarms, or will they still prefer the point-in-time swarms, and will more people join on to that platform? Um, for the larger uh, industry as a whole... It just comes down to, you know, I was speaking with um, somebody from um, uh, Morgan Stanley the other day, but he was saying that, you know, there are doubts as to whether or not 
you know, can fixed income ever really truly become electronic? You know, uh, will will just by the nature of the asset class will always be a struggle. So I don't know. Um, I think that'll be interesting to watch uh, next week at the North American Trading Architecture Summit on Thursday. Big time plug. Big, big time, time plug. plug. I'm going to be moderating the panel at two o'clock. I think two twenty. Two twenty. Um, and it's going to be talking about fixed income trading. And we had a, a call today with some of the panelists and we got, you know, a bunch of different, uh, big banks, big broker dealers joining up. So it should be an interesting conversation. Um, I'll write an article about it after, after I hear what they have to say. This is all I'll say. I don't know. I, Ben, I feel like I've just been rambling on. I, I, I would love to jump in, but to say I am an amateur in the fixed income space would be uh, a gross overestimation of my uh, of my talents. Uh, that is uh, one space that still, uh, you know, is a little bit mind-boggling to me. I, looking over the two stories, the one thing that jumped out to me, just because it's something we chatted about, uh, was that you got the sense from your conversation from Sobel that TrueMid's going to focus more going to kind of be be a more a tech co- technology company similar to what we talked about a few week, weeks ago on the podcast about what exchanges are doing uh what was it i know it was kind of some of the hires what was it specifically that gave you that hunch that you think that's kind of the move they're going to be making well you look at some of the people have left the firm chris ruggiero who's um who helped start it he was a former goldman guy he left for city they've been hiring on a lot of technology guys and then the fact that they're just they used to use the b steps um for their old tr- trading platform this one they're building in-house it'll give them a lot more flexibility it will demand um a larger technology team uh, a more intelligent development staff they're using techniques like machine learning um for this to draw people into these uh, new on-demand swarms. So it's the right way to go. Um, you got to straight up be a technology company, I would think, um, in order this. You can bring in the best and the brightest traders into there and have you know just a stock it full of Goldman and Morgan guys. But at the end of the day, it's going to be the technology that's going to draw in the Goldmans and the Morgans and the Barclays and the biggest hedge funds. The guys in the suits are fancy, but it's the guys in the sweatshirts in the back that are making the whole thing run. Dan, man, that should just be our tagline for Waters Technology now. Seriously, we should be, you know how the ESPN does the football, the soccer podcast, Men in Blazers? We should be Men in Hoodies. That should be the name of the podcast. I wear a hoodie every day, Dan, so that, that's not far <laughs> that's away true. from me. Well played, well played. Uh, you talk about machine learning and tech. check out this transition. I wrote a story that touched on machine learning very briefly. I'm not going to touch on it too much. Deutsche Bank uh, released, uh, I spoke to Phil Gilligan, the CIO of the Americas and head of DB Labs. Talked to me about the Silicon Valley Lab, one of three, along with Berlin and... Um, and London that were launched. Uh, well, the Silicon Valley Lab was launched recently. He said that's going to be an area of focus. APIs, um, uh, software-defined blank, you know, in the infrastructure is also going to be a point. Uh, you read the stories. Uh, there's not much more I want to delve into about that. He talks about uh, he talks about machine learning. He talks about also that I did a spinoff piece about blockchain. Kind of gives his thoughts. Uh, it was interesting to hear his take in terms of how you know, kind of they're playing a wait and see attitude. He says there's a lot of people in the space, but he wants to see the cream rise to the co- to the top, um, not the crop. Um, but to that point, since we're talking about Silicon Valley, let's transition to Anthony. I know basketball, specifically the NBA, is 
probably your favorite sport. Uh, did you watch? Did you hear? Were you aware that the Warriors broke the? Uh, I think it was the '95 '96 Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan led record of uh, 72 wins to win 73 wins. I I did hear that. Um, just because it's all over the news. And I heard that Kobe Bryant shot up 50 shots and made 60 points, which I guess is an achievement. I don't know. Um, well, it's just Kobe being Kobe. If there were ever a way for a man to go out, it would be shooting the ball uh, 50 times, which is fantastic. I would say what I'm more interested in, back to your uh, fintech story, is let's just go down a hypothetical rabbit hole here. But okay. I love hypothetical rabbit holes. If you were to start up a company and create an innovation lab, what would the what would be the focus of said innovation lab? So I'm gonna go at this strictly on regions and nothing to do with the actual technology there because I don't have that I don't have that knowledge. I know to an extent, you know, we talked Berlin is great in the retail banking space. London is really good distributed ledger. Silicon Valley is a lot better with infrastructure. Tel Aviv is good with security. But I'm just doing it as places where I'd want to live. Silicon Valley is out. Way too many smart cars, way too much green food. I'm a man that likes meat. Um, I like red, you know, I like hearty meals. I don't like the little green shake. Uh, I spent some time in London, too rainy, too dreary. Berlin is interesting. I really, I spent a lot of time in Germany. I've never went to Berlin, but I do, uh, I do enjoy it. Uh, Bangalore, India was another place that was brought up. No appeal. <laughs> sorry, sorry, India, but just no appeal. Seems like there's just way too many people there and, uh, yeah, just no so appeal. living in New York City. Yeah, well, it's that's like next level. Uh, and uh, the one thing he did bring up, which I've always had interest in, he said that he has a t- or no, maybe it wasn't a team. Maybe he's looking at Singapore, and it's uh, the biggest e- digital ecosystem in Asia. I think that's an appealing area. I think Singapore would be uh, would be very cool. And I think that you, as usual, are missing out. What would be? I don't care about where you're going to live. You can create a fintech innovation lab up in Burlington. Vermont. What I want to know is what would be the focus? I'm not asking you to create specific technologies, but would it be, you know, if you're going to create an innovation lab, would it be to create, you know, new kinds of computer technologies, new kinds of beers, which is what, you know, I think I would look to do is create an innovation lab around beers and different beer styles. I want to create a delivery website that gives me honest to goodness estimate times on when the food is going to come because I'm sick of these folks at Seamless telling me my food's going to be there in 30 minutes and then it shows up in 45 or it shows up in 50 minutes and it screws well, me up. Well, that's why you're going to have uh, drones doing all that anyway. So that, that could actually become a, a real thing. Drones scare me because I feel like they could eventually take over the the world. I'd be a lot more okay with having crows, black crows specifically, have facial recognition. So if we could start, if I could start a seamless where the crows deliver the food, I think it'd be a lot safer. Um, also, the guys, the delivery guys on the bikes flying down Third Ave, those guys give me the heebie-jeebies. Scares the crap out of me. I feel like the insurance has to be super high to support those guys in case of an accident. So. I'm, I'm all looking for forward delivery first, by crows. I'm looking forward to the first um, lawsuit that generates out of um, a drone delivering food. And some guy's just sitting out in his ledger on like the 25th floor of his New York City skyscraper and just gets plugged right in the head with a drone. <laughs> 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 and then just they sue the hell out of the company. That's going to be the, the first lawsuit that I'm going to be excited about. I would be afraid too. I mean about you go to get the food 
what happens if you cut your hand? You got the helicopter blades going. Uh, didn't wasn't there an episode of ER where the the bald guy the the the, the didn't Edwards. he get his arm chopped off when he was like waving goodbye to someone when he was in a helicopter or something? I don't know. Helicopters scare Wait, me for real. I'm not. Or yeah, I think that was that an was actual, an actual episode of I, ER. I, that was an actual episode where one of the doctors. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking <laughs> of something else. <laughs> um, but helicopters just they scare the crap out of me. Uh, just as horses. Horses also scare the crap out of me. I'm going down a real big rabbit hole right now what what about you so you pose the question what fintech uh, uh would you what would you want to be the focus of your fintech innovation i don't know lab? if it has to be fintech i mean fintech you know I'm all right not tech. fintech i'm sorry a tech what would be the want to be the focus of your innovation lab my innovation lab huh, i shouldn't have asked the question because i didn't have an answer for that either so usually you have an you know the whole point of asking questions just for you to answer you can but... rebuttal you're already thinking about your response but clearly that was not the case here huh yeah um I don't think I have anything. I, beer would be, you know. A f- I'd also like to create. I'm gonna jump all over your answer. Whatever beer, blah. I would. I would also like to create, and they kind of have this on ESPN, a red zone for college football because there's so many college football games going on during the day, and they're all like, why can't Fox Sports and CBS and ESPN come to agree and listen? Red zone's the best thing that was ever created. Let's let. Let's have a red zone for college football for all 100 games that are going on or whatever. That would that would be my other. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because I'm dying to see when Ball State is on the two-yard line. Really got to zoom in as they're playing against Kent State. You know, that's what makes that's what makes college football great. Is that uh, you have teams like, oh, what was that one team, uh, Appalachian State, that uh, beat uh, Michigan at the Big House? Yeah, Michigan was ranked TV, number two. So they, oh, they yeah. need a red zone for that. They got to watch that live. Speaking of technology, I want to bring up another story that was in the news. That I'm going to go on a bit of a rant. Well, I won't go on a rant, but I'll. You know, so there's a story called Swim, Bike, Cheat that appeared in the New York Times, and it's about triathletes and how this one woman that was a triathlete, I think it was in the Canadian National Triathlon or whatever, Ironman, she thought she won, she finished, and then when it came time to get the awards, they gave it to this other woman in her age division, and she was like, I can't believe that woman won, I didn't see her pass me at all, She to the point where when she was running, she was asking the people she was passing how old they were to see if they were in her age division. So the point of the story is that this woman might have cheated because of the chip. I don't understand that also. Like, we have the technology now. (laughs) You uh, athletes wear chips around their ankles, and then when they cross certain points, they're notified of where they are in the thing. So the family and friends can track them, and also so they know they're not cheating. Apparently, this woman still was awarded, even though there were big gaps in in her running. I'm more mad at the woman that threw the big complaint about, oh, this woman cheated, it's not fair. We're talking about the 40, I think this was the 40 to 45-year-old division of running. Like, track athletes are the biggest, most annoying humans in all of civilization. Wait, wait, wait. They so, rub me the wrong no, way. No, no. So you go and you train your ass off and you're going, you're working so hard, you're, you're achieving a goal. There's a reason why I'm not doing this. Why I'm just not that driven to go out and run. This woman was busting her butt in training, bust her butt during the race, and then gets screwed out. I mean, she has, I mean, I would think that she has every right to no, be pissed you, you and I'm surprised you don't agree with me because you're someone that worked at a daily and you probably covered your fair fair share of track events. The worst emails I ever got from parents were from track parents. They have such a huge that- chip on their shoulder. Oh, we're not covered enough. It's not fair. We worked hard. Also, the whole concept of track track athletes are so 
egomaniacs. Think about, at the end of the day, they're checking their time, There's and I know there's team scoring, but at the end of the day, they just care about themselves. Ipso facto, I hate track athletes. If you're a runner, <laughs> if you do this whole thing, I despise you. You're probably awful. You're probably super annoying about your times, and oh, I got a PBs, personal best. No one cares. So there's I guess a, I don't have to worry about you going to runner's world or anything like that and leaving us for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to walk outside the office today and get jumped by a bunch of guys on bicycles. and uh, No, but the uh, I'll give you an example. So, and then we'll. Tra- I'll give you an example. So, there's a great long form piece about this guy who uh, basically started a website running, f- and he said that he was going to run a marathon in every single state in the United States. Right? Wasn't doing it for. He think he was raising money for a charity. He had a little website. What an and asshole! These, and well, no, 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 no. This is so. This gets back to my point, right? So he's just doing it on his own. Well, it turns out. Maybe he may or may not have cheated in some of these marathons. Wasn't like winning first place. Was just and just trying to say, oh, I'm running a marathon. So these people on like runnersworld.net on the forums, because that's where it all starts on the forums with these anonymous, you know, I run fast two six nine. Basically, start saying this. This is not fair. This guy's cheating. He's not completing these marathons. This whole thing is a sham. And they tear this guy down to the point where they reach out to all the like. You have people that have doing investigative work over this. And say, who cares? Don't you have better things to do? So I'm sorry. They're on their high horse. I hate them all. Whatever. To that point, we're going to transition to another. By the way, Dan, form. you know that a lot of our listeners like like to run marathons or big time runners. There's nothing. There's nothing people. wrong with running a marathon. Is an ultra marathon. There's runner. nothing wrong with running a marathon, doing an Ironman, but don't try to rub it in anyone's face and don't try to bring somebody else down. Like, give me a break. And you know what? If you disagree with me, come at me. Write me an email. Give me a call. Our contact details. I'm not hiding from anything because I'll have a deep discussion with you about how these people are egomaniacs. And if I offended anyone, I don't care because you guys offend me. Okay? Speaking of offensive long-form journalism, uh, one of Anthony's Great favorite writers, Great one, of, one of Anthony's favorite writers, Gay Talese, wrote a piece for the New Yorker called The Voyeur's Motel. Uh... And I'm going to explain what it is right now. First of all, for those of you that don't know, I know we have a lot of tech guys, maybe not as into long-form journalism. Gates Elise, one of, if not the greatest long-form journalists uh, ever, wrote... He basically created, you know, what became long-form journalism, uh, new journalism, like it was him, Wolf, you know, a few others, Hunter S. going down the gonzo path there. But, you know, so he was at the forefront, the vanguard of that. So Gay Talese writes a, uh, he wrote, the infamous story was Frank Sinatra has a cold, which was an entire long form piece done without actually interviewing Frank Sinatra. He also wrote a very famous, probably one of the famous, most famous sports long form profiles on Joe DiMaggio. Uh, it was right after, I think it was right after Marilyn Monroe. No, he retired and so he was living with Marilyn at that point. They hadn't split up or whatever yet. No, I think she, I thought she had died. No, I thought that... that story... The whole thing was that he moved back to San Francisco, and she had died, and he was kind of lost at sea. And... It's been a while since I you maybe, maybe you're right. I don't know. Either way, so he writes this story called The Voyeur's Motel, which essentially is about a gentleman that lives on the outskirts of Denver, buys a motel, and creates peepholes in a good majority of the rooms, and then peeps on his guests and takes diligent notes about them having sex and their interactions and whatnot. And the bathroom, and, too. And the bathroom, too. How they too. use the bathroom. Use the bathroom. Uh, just a really absurd story to the point where Gay Talese, and this is years ago, this is back in the 70s, he's so reliving he would, this. So the guy started this in the 1966 or 68, something like that. 
and then reached out to Gates Lisa in the late 70s about because he was keeping journals of all these people he was spying on. So he's going to give it over. And the way he viewed it is he thought he was a scientist researching people's sexual behaviors. And uh, so he didn't view himself as a peeping Tom. He viewed himself at the, you know, being a, a preeminent scientist. My favorite parts. Now, it, the story gets very convoluted. And for those of you that do want to read it, I don't want to spoil it for you. But something happens that Gaitalis is that this guy is kind of sort of involved in a horrible, you know, horrible crime and Gaitalese is kind of involved in it as well and it gets very absurd but one of my favorite parts of the story is in the very beginning he's explaining to Gaitalese how he observes everything well he says he says to his credit he says uh older older people he doesn't put in the peeping rooms and uh families he doesn't put in the peeping rooms. so he's not a pedophile which gotta give him that gotta give credit where credit's thumbs up buddy thumbs up (laughs) so he does say he observes all sex (laughs) he says uh scientifically uh lesbian sex is very interesting to me but uh male homosexual sex not as interesting to me scientifically shocking as a scientist as a scientist he wasn't really into he was into certain things yeah i love as a scientist that oh lesbians are i'm all okay but homosexual males i'm not as interested in observing but strictly for the science reason has nothing to do it's a very weird creepy story uh but it's interesting nonetheless I, Anthony, I think I know- that it's one of the stories that you have to read just to see how insane it is. It's, I, I think it's a terrible, like, I, I cannot believe, because Gaitalese at one point goes up, looks into people, spies on people along with um, this guy, uh, Foose. His tie goes through yeah. the vent, almost gets caught. Um, and so you have that, and then there, the big crime, Gaitalese kind of helps out in the cover-up of this big crime if you are to believe that there's a big crime again don't want to give away too much uh from the story um it is the most ridiculous story i've ever read the fact that he's writing a book about it is kind of crazy um oh and that's what i want to i want to ask you tony because you i i i've read some of his every everyone that studied journalism has read a gay to least piece it's kind of just required reading i'm not as big of a fan of him i just you know, I, I just find it hard to read super, very old journalism from the 60s and the 50s. I feel like there's a bit of a disconnect. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Way to but, call some of our readers very old just because they're you know, from the 50s and the 60s, man. No, no. I, I'm the, Whatever. That's a different conversation for a different I've already I've already started a war with the runners of our readers, so I don't want to start a war with the old people as well. Um, but as someone, Anthony, that I know you've seen Gaitley speak about his, uh, his story on the Verrazano Bridge... Nope. Uh, has your perception, opinion, has his legacy been tainted at all by this story? I gotta be honest. Well, first of all, there was a little bit of a controversy with him uh, a little while back. My favorite story of all time was Frank Sinatra has a cold. I would read that story at least once a year. Um, and any new hire, I, th- I believe that I gave it to you. I've given it to any kind of new hire to say, yo, here's some long form journalism along with like five or six other stories. You gotta read these stories, you know develop a style like this anyway he doesn't like accurately take quotes and he misses he's like i'm just trying to get to the heart of the quote i don't want it to be exact (laughs) and i'm like how what the hell are you talking about then how am i supposed to believe when i'm reading a quote in one of your stories as i read in the new yorker how am i supposed to believe if you aren't going to verbatim dictate what this guy says strip out the ums the uh and all that yeah i got that that's fine but if you're changing quotes or just just to try and get the the, the gist of it i don't want to say that so that was the first knock against him uh he had for the, the recent to, 
to that point, the next time I have an interview with a big bank and they send back an email saying, Dan, our CIO or CTO didn't say anything. He's like, listen, I just like to get the g- general feel. And I kind of massage it. So it should be okay with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, no big deal. And then he came out and said that there were no uh, female writers that inspired him, um, which, you know, it's hard to believe there isn't any, like, Pamela Kolkoff over at uh, Texas Monthly isn't, you know, an absolute uh, superstar, and she's inspired me. Um, in his whole career, he never met a female journalist that, you know, kind of inspired him. Um, so this story, he basically participates in a crime. and Multiple crimes. Multiple crimes. And I, I just, I don't get the value out of it. You know, it's just, he's a, the guy is a weirdo, and you can't stalk on people. You can't be a voyeur and come off as a scientist the invasion of privacy my god and that was the funny part about the whole thing was the guy at the end surprise surprise becomes a bit of a kook who's now worried about government spying right how (laughs) ironic that the man who's built built his whole life spying now is all concerned that the government is spying on him yeah what he said he said big brother's different from me i can watch i'm just observing big brother's doing it for bad reasons yeah sure you're a creep you're you're uh, you're uh, uh, not a good person, and Gaitelis, you should have never even got involved with this man. But I'll tell you one thing: there's one there's one long form journalist that would have never took part in that. Oh, let His me, name's let me Gary guess, Smith. Let me guess. Yeah, Gary His Smith. name's Gary Smith. Neither he's a legend. Chris Jones. And he's a legend. Eh, Chris Jones. I don't know. He, you know. He's going to write more stories about science and space that nobody cares about. But one man that would never do that is Gary Smith. If anybody wants some good recommendation on some good long-form journalism, reach out to me about Gary Smith. I'll send you some articles your way. Uh, One of the best stories you'll ever read about a race walker. Probably the only story you'll ever read about a race walker. The only only story. Um, So other than that, I mean, there wasn't too much else uh news real quick real quick we, i mentioned up top because i know you are actually a rangers fan uh are you worried at all um yeah sure i am but you know i i think that our moment in the sun's kind of passed anyway um i'll be i want new york to win but uh if he doesn't i'm one of the very few new york ranger fans you'll ever meet that loves alexander ovechkin and hopes that he if, if it's not going to be if it's not going to be lungfist then give me uh Ovi. Yeah, well, I'd love to see him hoist the cup. Communist. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, Tony mentioned it. He will be... Ch- I think he'll be... So are you the... Ch- you're going to be the chairman in that test? So Tony's face will be everywhere April 21st, which is next Thursday. Quick programming note. Uh, we are going to push the podcast back one day. So next week we're going to run on Friday just because the conference is Thursday along with the awards. We'll be able to talk about all that good stuff. Uh, so... If you are going to Natas or the Cellside Technology Awards, come up to Anthony and I. Come talk to us. Tell us what you like about the podcast. Or, Tell us what you don't like about the podcast. come up to uh, our new employee, Amelia David. Uh, yeah, or yeah, come up to her. Exactly. She'll, uh, she'll be around. We'd be happy to introduce you to her as well. But uh, all kidding aside, seriously, we'd love to talk to you. It doesn't have to be about the podcast. But if you want to talk about the podcast, let us know. Let us know your thoughts, any suggestions. Let us know about any trends you're seeing in the industry. Uh, Anthony and I are always looking to talk. He's the the uh, the guy with the big beard, the scary-looking guy. I'm the, uh, the tall uh, uh, Italian guy. Um, we're pretty easy to spot in the crowd, I think. Specifically, Anthony's pretty easy to spot. Uh, but we'll be happy to talk to you about, uh, about anything. Other than that, I think that's it. Uh, Anthony, you have anything else to add? That's all I got. All right. Well, thanks so much again for uh, joining us and uh, check back in next Friday for a follow up to uh, Natas.